Welcome to the L Podcast. I'm your host, Liz Kafko. This podcast is about L's, letting go what doesn't serve you, learning who we are and what we want out of life, leveling up to live it to the fullest, and most importantly, loving ourselves in the process. So let's figure out this thing called life together. Here we go. Good morning. Happy Thursday, everyone. I am joining you from my bed. I have been sick since January 3rd, so a little over two weeks now. It's been a roller coaster. It's been real. Um, I was finally getting better, and then I don't know what happened, but my stomach's in knots, and I just don't feel good. But I realized in kind of sharing my journey with you guys this past two weeks about my health, I came across this piece of information that wasn't surprising at all, but was still really saddening and shocking and maddening. And so I wanted to take a moment to really talk about it because it's really important. And so I'll I'll give you some context before then. So I was in the uh, emergency room on January 3rd through the 5th um, because I was I was having some like really painful bloating and like stomach pain and I was just really nauseous and it got to the point where like I was having trouble breathing because I don't know if like the pressure was just like pressing up against my diaphragm so I couldn't fully breathe. And when I got to that point, I was like, okay, I got to go to urgent care. Like I have a very high tolerance for discomfort, for pain. And so it takes a lot for me to actually be like, okay, I need to go to urgent care. And so I went to urgent care and they did some x-rays, they did some blood work and they're like, well, we don't really see too much, but because you have diabetes and this could be really dangerous, we have to recommend you to the hospital. And I was like, oh, crap, okay. I was hoping you would just tell me I was full of shit and take some stool softeners. But I'm like, all right, fine. If you think for my own safety I should, I will. So I went to the local emergency room, which was not, like, the local hospital is not the same, like, hospital system that I go to like I drive an hour to go see like my my regular primary doctor my specialist and it's a different like healthcare system and I'll explain why in a bit so I went to the local ER that I I never really go to and I told them what was happening told them you know urgent care sent me here and I wait I got there at like 10 30 a.m they, two hours later, they eventually called me back to get my vitals. They did an EKG. My heart looked fine because um, I was also having some chest pain. And then they're like, okay, we'll send you back into the waiting room. When the doctor's ready, we'll have him, we'll have him look at you. And so I went back to the waiting room. I finally got called back at 5.30 p.m. And this whole time they told me don't eat anything, don't drink anything because 
they also did a another CT scan, like an imaging, and they saw that my appendix was a little bit swollen. And they're like, in case it's your appendix and we have to do emergency surgery, like we don't want you eating or drinking anything. And I'm like, I get it. That's fine. So until you can until the surgeon can see your pictures, your x-rays, your blood work, and decide whether or not that's it, you have to wait. Okay. Waited 5 p.m. They finally took me back to see the doctor. They put me in a bed in the hallway. Like, the hospitals are so full, you guys. They're still overrun, understaffed. The staff that is there is just overworked. Um... And so I was like, oh, wow, this, the hospital legit looked like a hurricane had just passed by. And this was like the aftermath, like it was chaos. And so I'm laying in this bed in pain in the hallway, just like watching people walk by. And I I was just left there for hours. And it wasn't until like maybe 9 p.m. where I, like I stopped to nurse and I was like, Look, I'm getting really nervous. They told me not to eat or drink anything. Can someone please check my sugars? Because they did x-rays, I had to take my CGM off. And I kept insisting, like, please just someone check my sugars for me. Like, I haven't eaten, I haven't drinking anything. Like, it's probably fine. But just for my own ease, I would like to know what my sugar levels are. Because I didn't have my supplies with me. Um, And... And she was like, wait, why do you need to get your sugars checked? And I'm like, dude, I'm I'm diabetic. I have type 2 diabetes. And she was like, oh, that that's not on your chart. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Yes, it should be on my chart. Please add that to my chart. And so she finally added it. She checked my blood sugar levels. They were fine. They were lower, but they were fine. And I didn't, no one checked on me again until... I think 6 a.m. the next day. And I was constantly having to ask, like, flag down a nurse, like, hey, can someone please tell me what's going on? Like, and I, I'm not blaming the nurses because, like I said, they were overworked, stressed out, like, it was chaos. And so I was told, like, well, we're just waiting for the surgeon to look at your stuff, but he is currently in surgery. And I'm like, oh, shit, okay, well, I don't know how long surgery is going to take, so I'm going to be here for a while. I didn't see the surgeon until probably four o'clock the next day. And the surgeon came, looked at me for like 30 seconds and was like, no, it's not your appendix. We're going to refer you to another specialist. And I'm like, are you kidding me? And so at that point I was like, I was telling the nurse, like, look, I just want to go home. I'm not getting much help here. And I would rather much be in my bed instead of this uncomfortable bed in the middle of a hallway where I can't even sleep because there's so much noise. So like, I'm not, I'm not even resting. I'm not doing anything here and I'm hungry. And so the nurse was like, well, I legally can't hold you here so you can go. And it was very much like a, yeah, great. Get off my, get out of my hands. Like, I'm glad you're leaving. She's like, I don't care, go. And so I was like, okay, fine. I'm like, I assumed I would have to sign something saying like, yeah, I'm leaving. But she was like, oh, I don't know. I can't, 
I can't get into your paperwork because I don't actually work here. I'm a traveling nurse. And I was like, okay, I guess I'll just go. And as I was getting ready to leave, another nurse yelled at me and she was like, hey, did you get your paperwork? And I was like, no, the nurse told me that she couldn't get it and that I was, I could just go if I wanted to. And so this is really important to know because I did not know this, you guys. But the nurse was like, if you leave without seeing the doctor, without seeing that other specialist they told you to see, you're neglecting care and the insurance will not cover this visit. And I was like, what? And she's like, yeah, if you leave before you're treated, then the insurance will say that you were like non-compliant and will not cover the visit. So you're going to foot the whole bill. And I'd been in the ER for two days. And I was like, yeah, that's going to be expensive as fuck. So I sat my ass back down. <laughs> I was like, all right, I guess I don't have a choice. So I really can't leave. Um, and so I sat and I waited to see the next specialist. And hours later, the next specialist was like, yeah, I don't see anything wrong. So it must be just a virus or something. And you just have to wait it through. And I'm like, great. Okay. Can I go home now? Like at that point I was just like over it. I'm like, I don't care how pain, how much pain I'm in. I don't care. I just want to go home so I can eat something and shower and get out of here. Um, and the second specialist very much understood that and was like, I'm going to try to get your paperwork done as fast as I can so you can go home. It was still another like three hours just to get my paperwork done. Um, and so I got home and it was like another week or so and my symptoms were still bad. And I was like, okay, I know they said it was a virus, but I've had a virus before. Like I've had stomach bugs before. I know what they feel like. This is, this doesn't feel the same. And so I reached out to my primary and I made a, made an appointment with my primary doctor and sorry, this is a long story, but I'll, I'll, I'll try to get to the end of it. So I met with my primary doctor and she was like, oh, wow. Yeah. They didn't really do much for you. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to do some more, more tests and figure out what's wrong. Um, in the meantime, here's some medication. And it was, I, I got my, my results back and yeah, there's some inflammation going on. Like something is wrong. And it was such a relief to see like, yeah, you guys, I'm not making this shit up. Like I'm not just complaining. Like I didn't want to just go to the ER to go somewhere. <laughs> like I'm actually a person that's actually in pain and the blood work shows that. And so it reminded me that we have to advocate for ourselves. Self-advocacy will literally save your life. And I learned this like a long time ago, actually, um, when I was 25, I had tried getting um, a different birth control. I had always been on the pill since, I don't know, I was born. <laughs> it feels like it. Many years. And I had heard about the implant. And so for people who don't use birth control, um, Nexplanon, it's like this little strip that goes in your arm and it has hormones in it and it's supposed to like it's a form of birth control that I think you only switch out I don't I don't even remember it was like every 
nine months or something. It was like, here's, so you don't have to take pills every day. You can get this implant and it'll, you know, be just as effective. And I was like, yeah, that sounds great. I hate taking meds. So I talked to my doctor at the time. I was 25 or yeah, I was about 25. So six years ago and I tried it and I noticed after like two weeks and I was like, I feel like my, my depression has gotten worse. And so I reached out to my doctor at the time and she was like, well, it's only been two weeks. You need to give it more time. And I'm like, okay, I trust you. I'll give it more time. A month later, I was like, okay, my depression has gotten so bad that I'm starting to have suicidal thoughts. Like, this is not normal. I am telling you this has gotten worse. Please take this out of me. Like, that's the only thing that's changed. And my doctor was like, well, it's only been a month. You need to give it more time. And I was like, lady, lady, I'm literally telling you, if this stays in me any longer, I will not have more time. I'm telling you, either you take it out or I take it out. I I actually told my doctor that like, either you're taking this out of me or I'm taking this out of me. But either way, this thing is coming out of my arm. And she was finally like, okay, fine, we'll take it out of you. Because it is considered like a medical procedure, like surgery, because you do have to cut open and whatever, take stuff out, put stuff in. And so I had to fight my doctor and be like, no, I am telling you, I am an expert in my body. I know that this is not working out. I don't care that it hasn't been six months. I don't care that it hasn't been three months. I'm telling you after just two weeks that this is not working for me. And after that, you guys, I realized like, yes, I I truly believe most doctors genuinely care about their patients. Most doctors have our best interest in mind, but they don't always know everything right? And we're allowed to get second opinions. We're allowed to go see someone else and ask them for a second opinion. And so after this, these past two weeks, um, I shared, I shared this experience on my social media and I asked people like, have you ever been dismissed by your provider? Like, I'm so glad that my primary, primary doctor was like, okay, we're going to do more tests and figure out what's wrong. Instead of being like, well, it's probably a virus too bad. And the stories that people have shared about their experiences of being dismissed. They went years undiagnosed with PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome. They went years in pain only to find out that it was actually a tumor. They went years with stomach issues and being dismissed only to find out that, yeah, it's celiac disease. Like there's so many times that people get dismissed by their providers because to be fair, a lot of symptoms can be really hard to pinpoint, right? Like stomach pain. Well, is it because you're full of shit? Is it because your period's coming? Is it because you have a food, like a stomach bug? Is it because you have a food allergy? Like it can be a lot of things. Like our bodies are super complicated. I get that and I acknowledge that. And so I never expect doctors to be like, okay, you just told me all these symptoms. Boom, I know what it is because you have to rule things out, right? And so it takes time. But there's a difference between, okay, we're going to run some more tests 
bear with me, we're going to figure this out together versus, well, nothing looks like it's wrong. Everything looks fine. So I guess you're making this up. Might as well just go home and, I don't know, put some Vicks on it, (laughs) which I mean, putting Vicks on it doesn't hurt, but (laughs) you get what I'm saying, right? So many times we're dismissed because I don't even know why. Because doctors are so overworked that we become just another number that they have to look into. We're not patients anymore. I don't know. And I remember my mom telling me as a kid, as a kid, you guys, she's like, whenever we had to go to the doctor because I wasn't feeling well, or whenever I had to take her to the doctor because she wasn't feeling well, she told me, there's this trick that you should always do when you go to a doctor. If they ask you if you're in pain, even if it's a four, you tell them it's a 10 because then they'll take it more seriously and they'll take you more seriously. Because if you're not in severe pain, if you're not on the verge of dying, then they'll just brush you off. And it's it hurts, you guys, to know that that's the way that things are, right? I would hope that anyone, no matter what pain level, no matter what symptoms they have, would be taken seriously and treated with care. And so hearing everyone's stories, it's just, it breaks my heart. Because I've been there, and I would hope nobody else would be, but apparently a lot of people are, and a lot of women. Women are dismissed more than anything, because, I don't know, everything is just because of our periods. And so go put a heating pad on it and, you know, good luck. Or take some Midol. And and it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous that we get dismissed because we're women. And for people who live with chronic illnesses, like diabetes, like Crohn's, we get dismissed because... Well, that's just what happens with diabetes. Like it progresses over time. And I'm like, yes, I understand that, but I've only had it for eight years. Like I should not have this symptom yet. And my my blood sugar levels have been well managed, so I shouldn't have this symptom yet. And so I always have to, I will, I am with my doctors. I always use the, they call it like a patient portal. It's like your online profile. I always go in there and I will message them. I will, I don't care if it takes days. I will message them every day until I hear back. And I get that they're busy. I don't, I'm not trying to harass them. But if I'm not being taken seriously, if I'm not being treated with the care that I deserve, then I will call until they hear me. (laughs) And, and that's something I've started doing ever since that one time with the birth control because we deserve better. And like I said, I I genuinely think that doctors care about their patients for the most part. I think there's more good doctors than bad doctors. And because of that, when I do find a good one, like the one I have now, my primary doctor, I drive an hour to go see her. It sucks that it's so far, it's an inconvenience, but I would rather drive an hour to see her than just 
find someone who's local and is really shitty and doesn't listen to me. And I learned that because I was seeing an endocrinologist when I was first diagnosed with diabetes. Um, and I kept telling them, hey, my I've heard about these like CGMs, these continuous glucose monitors that, you know, you don't have to prick your finger. They just go on your arm. Would I be able to get one? And I remember he told me, no, your diabetes is not that bad. And I was like, oh, okay, well, you're the doctor, right? Like, I'm not going to question you. And I think for a lot of cultures, we've been raised with like, respect your elders, right? Like, you don't question the priest, you don't question the doctor, right? Like, these are the experts. And so I never questioned it. And I was like, okay, if he says, I don't need it, I don't need it. And my, my, it was my brothers that actually told me, no, ask your doctor again, ask again. Like, it's been so helpful, ask again. And so I asked my endocrinologist again. I was like, hey, is, am I able to get a CGM now? And again, he said, no, your diabetes is not that bad. And this went on for like three, four years, you guys. And I realized eventually your diabetes is not that bad what that actually means is we're not going to do anything for you until it's way too late, until you're past a point, until you're too sick, until your diabetes gets worse. And I didn't want that. I didn't want to wait until things got worse to finally do something about it, right? Like that's not, that's treatment. That's not preventative care. If I can prevent things, I'd rather do that instead of just, well, we're going to put some band-aids on your symptoms now. And so I realized, okay, this doctor is not listening to me. This doctor is not giving me the care that I want. So I found a different doctor. And that doctor, when I told her, which I think also makes a difference, I think female doctors listen to women more than male doctors do. That's a generalization. I'm not saying that's true. In my experience, that's what I've experienced. And so this new endocrinologist, when I told her, hey, I've heard about CGMs. Is there any way I could get one? She's like, that's a fantastic idea because it's not going to make things worse, right? If anything, it's going to make things better because, duh, who would not want to not have to prick their fingers multiple times a day? Like, that's just the ease of burden. Like, if I can help ease how much burden you have with diabetes, like, of course I'm going to do that. And it was a life, it was a game changer for me. Like, I will always advocate for people with diabetes, regardless of what type, regardless of how long they've had it, to get a CGM, because it is really helpful. And so I I will always advocate for myself. I will always advocate for the diabetes community, for any community with a chronic illness, because it's not easy. And it's already hard to live with these illnesses, but then to have our providers, you know, the team that we trust with our health and our lives not listen to us, that's not something we're tolerating anymore, you guys. And so if you're struggling with how to advocate for yourself, because I know it can be hard, believe me, especially if you're an introvert, <laughs> it is hard to speak up for yourself, but our lives depend on it. And so here, I just want to leave you with some tips on what you can do if you don't feel comfortable speaking up for yourself yet. And, and it does take time, right? Like little by little, you'll gain that confidence and you'll find your voice. But 
you are allowed to bring someone with you, bring a family member, bring a friend, um, and have them speak up for you if that makes you more comfortable. Um, what really helps too is writing down questions ahead of time. So you come into your doctor's appointment prepared. You can also, um, use like your patient portal, like I do. If I don't feel comfortable asking questions during my doctor appointment, I will email them as soon as I get home and be like, hey, I had these other questions I wanted to ask and talk there. So it's less face-to-face, which can feel less intimidating. And so there's a few other things you can do, but those I think are the best steps to get started. Um, I think some hospitals also have patient advocates. So these are hospital workers that are literally there to be the liaison, the person that between you and your provider. Not, I don't think every hospital offers that. So I don't know. You should definitely ask if that's something you're interested in, but bring a friend, write your questions or send them a message through your patient portal afterwards. But always, always, always advocate for yourself because You deserve to live a happy, healthy life, and our providers should be held accountable for that as well. So I hope this was helpful. I'm going to go back to bed for a little bit, and I'll see you guys next week. If this episode was helpful, please share it with your mom, your friend, your neighbor, everyone. Help me spread this word as far as possible because we can all use a friend that gets us and that's there for us. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next episode.